Gothenburg is Sweden's second city. Sitting on the southwest coast, it has been a hub of trade for hundreds of years, connecting Scandinavia to mainland Europe. The city's port remains today the largest harbour in Scandinavia. Gothenburg is also known for its tram network, with an annual ridership of just under 1.5 million people and a combined track length of over 190 kilometers. The Gothenburg tram network is the largest in Northern Europe. And there is good reason for this extensive tram network. For centuries, the soft clay ground under the city made tunneling impossible. An underground railway only recently became feasible. Gothenburg's existing tram and road network is reaching capacity and a new method of transport is required. And with new technology and better tools, Gothenburg is now for the first time taking its transport system underground. The city is five years into the construction of a new Westlink train line, an eight-kilometre rail line, six kilometres of which will be underground, and the project includes the redevelopment of the city's central station. The station sits in a very unstable area of thick, loose clay deposits next to Gotha Al River. Welcome to Engineering Matters. I'm Johnny Dowling. And I'm Rian Owen. In this episode, we've partnered with Groundforce to find out how new developments in underground tech are enabling the city of Gothenburg to build deep below the surface and high into the sky. The Central Station project has two major parts. The first is the underground station to connect the Westlink rail line. What we're doing here is we're building an underground station with two platforms for tracks, which will mainly uh, take the commuter traffic in the future. The second is to provide tunnelling through Gothenburg to help better connect the city to the rest of the region. That will be a tunnel going through more under the city of Gothenburg. And uh, this tunnel will give the opportunity for trains basically to go under Gothenburg and, and right away to, let's say, from Stockholm to Malmö if wished. So not anymore uh, this uh, end station as it is uh, of today. Olaf Berger works for the NCC and is in charge of the Gothenburg Central Station project. The soft clay that the Central Station site sits on is also densely built upon. It is, after all, in the centre of the city. This means the soft ground will experience some very heavy loading forces when the excavation begins. To ensure the structural support of the station and tunnels, and to complete the construction with very limited space, with an active mainline rail service on one side and one of Sweden's busiest roads on the other, the project had to turn to a more modern approach. The tunnel leading into the station is being built using two 600-metre pile sheet walls, in which a concrete cut and cover tunnel is being constructed. Most of the tunnel structure is narrow enough for the construction to be supported by lime cement columns bored along the tunnel length. And there they choose, due to the fact that they only have, uh, I think, 12 metres in width, they put for stabilisation issues 
uh, lime cement columns even below the foundation level of the bottom slabs in order to have the uh, cement lime structure as a passive support for the sheet pipe walls. This method of ground stabilization is popular in the Nordic countries. It is known as dry deep mixing or DDM. To construct the columns, a high-speed drill advances a drill rod with radial mixing paddles near the bottom of the drill string into the ground. During penetration, the tool shears the soils to prepare them for mixing. After the tool reaches the design depth, the binder is pumped pneumatically through the drill steel to the tool, where it is mixed with the soil as the tool is withdrawn. The dry soil mixing process constructs individual columns. Rows of overlapping columns or 100% mass stabilization, all with a designed strength and stiffness. These buried lime cement columns transform the soft clay into a much more rigid and stable material, making safe the excavation of the narrow cuts. But when it came to supporting the excavation of the main underground station, the team needed a new way to do the job across a 50 meter wide excavation. The station here is 50 meter wide. And um, there from the start, uh, we, we made some calculations in order also to use lime cement columns as passive support here. But we couldn't bring that home. The safety factor didn't get up, let's say, enough. Uh, we managed to make the calculation with an OK factor. But as far as we knew at that time, that hasn't been done before. So we deemed the risk too high. Initially, the plan was to use traditional fabricated steel propping methods. Steel props are cut and welded to size so that they can span the excavation, supporting the walls of the cut by bracing one wall against the other. These massive steel props would be made to measure and would brace the excavation near the top, middle and bottom if the depth called for it. With some 400 metres of station excavation to be supported, that is an enormous amount of labour-intensive on-site steel fabrication work needed. And each custom-made prop would need to be cut up once the permanent support was in place. To keep the project on schedule, the team needed a more efficient solution and landed on giant 29-tonne, 50-metre-long hydraulic props. So we've got 41 props in total on the job so it's one of the biggest projects that we've we've ever supplied there's a total of over two kilometers of tube on the job just to kind of give people the kind of perspective of of, of the scale of it the props themselves are 50 meters long um, they weigh about 29 tons they're taking sort of um, design loads of six and a half thousand kilonewtons so that's a combined thermal geotechnical load and there is actual mid-span support required to deal with the effects of buckling. Sam Oldroyd is the European sales manager for Groundforce, who supplied the giant props. The best way to think about a hydraulic prop is it's basically a series of extensions. So an extension is a tube, and on the end of this tube we have um, a series of flanges. We bolt these um, extensions together. And on the end of this, you have a hydraulic unit, which typically has a, a meter's worth of stroke. It jacks in and out a meter. On Centralum, we used MP750s, which have 500 mil worth of stroke. 
The hydraulic props in use are capable of bearing a weight of 750 tons each. But it's not just that these hydraulic props are so strong that makes them good to use on poor ground conditions. The system has many other benefits on big projects. The first one they found was in modularity. The central station site has a varying width. We can pretty much get to any size or shape of excavation. This modular makeup applies to both um, our whaling beams and the struts. On Centralen, the scope of the job was to start in what they called the funnel section where it tapers. Um, the idea was to supply the smallest props first and then they get progressively bigger until you get into the main trench. You could have done this with fabricated steel, but where you have props of different lengths, that can be quite tricky. Once the works in the funnel had been completed, there was a requirement then to jump the props down the excavation. This is what we call leapfrogging. Um, this would be uh, quite difficult to do with fabricated steel, whereas for us, it's, it's quite simple. That is the second big benefit. The hydraulic props are easy to reposition and move further down the construction site when they're needed. We can take these 50 odd metre struts out within about two hours and we re-put re them in in two hours. If you had to weld a tube uh, or a similar sort of diameter prop using the old, old method of welding and, and work, so you'd be weeks, if not uh, a couple of weeks, to do in and out, whereas we can do one in a complete day or do two in a complete day. Richard Dawson is the Senior Operations Manager at Ground Force. We had high expectations in um, making the struts and, and replacing them, also get them out quick and use them again at the excavation front. And that's what we still do. I mean, we have, uh, we have now a little bit more struts than we planned. We planned for 30, but due to the fact that the, the uh, working length of the station prolonged, so uh, we had to order six more. So actually we have 36 of these tubes in use right now. The hydraulic props allow the excavation to be done in stages and allow for fewer props to be used at a time as they are moved along the excavation when required. And the team at NCC worked closely with Ground Force to understand the leapfrogging process and factor it into their project program. So basically, they started that they are uh, being bolted onto the diaphragm wall. So they will start at the fixed end, which is the end furthest from the ram, bolt the end bearing plates, which hold the, uh, the adapter or the Dalek onto the, uh, the wall. And then the Dalek has the tube uh, onto it in sections. And it's just basically the 16 bolts per flange. And going forward, we just lift the, the tubes in, in, in sequence to, and then the last part is the ram, which bolts on. And then we just pump the ram out actually onto the wall, preload it, lock it up, and it's set then ready for, uh, uh, for them to dig underneath it. Or we'll put two or three in, in the same phase. We had uh, a guy from Ground Force on site who helped us putting the tubes out in the right way, uh, making the bolts about connections and so on, and, and then at least uh, putting the uh, the jacks out in a right way. So that we had initially, and uh, once we proceeded, we were on our own. So it was quite easily to adapt how to use the system. 
And then we took them again uh, for the first uh, replacement, once we, we got them out, because that, that was uh, a new moment for us. Uh, so we decided to get uh, somebody from ground force there again. But no, that was in fact easy to adapt. We have a project team, uh, a team of four uh, uh, guys who are based, uh, one in Germany and the rest are in the UK, and they go to each project in Europe and they will assist with the uh, install, how um, they do basically toolbox talk training, make sure the props are installed correctly as per the specification of the design. Preloaded, if we're preloading, we'd preload and check the pressures as well to make sure it's all uh, critically sound and set up. And it gives the client some uh, niceties that they have their own train, team trained up. We have trained Tunga Lift in Gothenburg to install or remove the props. And then they reset the props up as well for putting into the next phase. So uh, on these big projects, you need a team or a constant team on site to, uh, to do this. The team at NCC are now able to, on their own, remove the props, carry them with a crane across the site and then reinstall them to the new position as they are needed. And once the hydraulic props have been installed, they have monitoring features that are able to track in real time the exact force being exerted. So the way we actually deal with this, at the end of every prop is a pin arrangement that connects to the end plates. And we take this pin out. This enables articulation so that the props don't have to be perpendicular to a whaling beam or a wall. So we take this pin and we replace that with what we call a, a load cell. That's connected out through a sender which goes out on the GPIS network. So that it takes the actual load that's actually running down the axis of the prop. So you would install it, jack it out. Once it's in position, you can then log on to our website and um, you can log into the construction project and you can see prop number five and you can see in real time what, what's actually happening in terms of the loads. It's basically peace of mind um, if the pro if certain projects or if we're preloading uh, certain projects, uh, we'll take them in stages. So we, we set the load monitor to report quicker. Um, we can see it, uh, the tonnage is building up. I think we have in every third strut, we have a load sensor and then we can check online uh, on their homepage uh, how the situation is. We get even warnings when, when there is some slight overload. Uh, but due to the fact that we, we got, so at some point we have got overload warnings, but these were in, in such a slight area. Uh, that there was no need for any reaction from our side at all. We can actually set up trigger levels. So when the loads get up to a certain level, there's an alarm goes off. This sort of gives additional security on the project. Um, we had a job in Norway where in the summer the loads got up quite high. Um, the contractor wrapped hose pipe with holes in uh, around the props and turned the tap on and this brought loads down to tolerance. It wouldn't have been possible to, to, to do this if you couldn't actually measure the, the loads in real time. Open cut excavations remain a leading cause of construction site fatalities, with the US alone seeing 35 people killed in 2022 by collapsing trench walls. By monitoring the prop loading, the team are able to understand what is going on in the ground around the excavation in real time. The sensors can also monitor the temperature 
the temperature changes from winter to summer and even from night to day can have a major effect on the loading on the props. So, for example, in the winter, it's quite cold in Gothenburg. We've had it up to minus 15 just recently. So the props all shrink, whereas in the summer, when we can get to 20, 30, 40 degrees, we could, have, we could see an increase of 200 tonnes potentially uh, in, in the hot climates from a, a nighttime to a daytime vision, which is, is good to monitor. And we can, uh, it's quite critical if we've got critical buildings or infrastructure near the, near the excavations. So uh, yeah, you can amend the pressure that we need to. In certain countries, we would put sometimes in the past, we have tried to paint the struts white to deflect the, uh, the sunlight. And we also use a water system to keep them cool in certain operations to try and pull down the props, have water running over them. The hydraulic props have not only made the excavation of the station possible, they have made it quicker, cheaper and safer. One area that more and more projects are focused on is carbon reduction. And there are a few ways the hydraulic props provide improvements over traditional welded steel props. First, the project can use fewer props as the hydraulic props can be moved to where they're needed as they're needed. Secondly, using the traditional prop is... Quite wasteful in one respect because of all having to reuse it back into the systems, whereas ours isn't, you know... The... There's no wastage as such. Um, so environmentally-wise, it stands up big time. Sustainability is a major focus of ground for us, and the business committed to zero, you know, net carbon zero by 2050. Contractors are taking less equipment, moving it more, and that obviously has sort of effects on less equipment, is less transport, less CO2, better carbon footprint, it's more sustainable. The hydraulic props also have a much longer lifespan than the welded props. The hydraulic props can be transported around Europe, moving from one project to another, and they are regularly inspected and maintained to ensure they are in top condition. We have got some struts coming up to 20 years old, but generally wise 10 to 15, uh, and then we'd check them out basically. But they're inspected after every hire, so we uh, basically inspect them. Um, wash them, paint them, service them, make sure they're all fit for hire and purpose, basically. Each item is fleeted, so we have a, a, its life cycle and history of where that prop has been working in the world. So we know where it was, where it was, when it was born, how many services it had, has it any repairs to it. So it gives us a good asset base of, of the equipment. While the big yellow props are making it possible for Gothenburg to finally build its central underground station, across the city, the same yellow props are changing the city's skyline. The hydraulic props have been used in the construction of Carla Tower, which, while still in construction, has already reached the level of being the tallest building in Scandinavia. It is the first skyscraper ever to be built in Gothenburg, and the excavation for the skyscraper was even wider than the one at Central Station. The width of the excavation was over 60 odd metres wide, so we couldn't put a strut across the middle of it. So rakes were just put on the periphery um, to, to, to support it. The ground is really uh, a terrible ground. It's uh, very like putty. <laughs> so if you walk on it, you'll be up to your knees in it. So it's not very stable ground. So it, hence this is why it needs support um, while they get down into the basement. Due to the size of the excavation, they couldn't use horizontal props across the width of the basement. They needed to use raked props which are props that carry the outward load from the excavation wall down the prop and into the floor of the excavation. 
So when you get past a certain span, then it's 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 more effective to actually use raking props onto a base. And that's the option that they decided to use on this project. A raking prop sits diagonally with one end against the wall of the excavation and the other on the floor of the excavation. The main thing to to be aware of with raking props is we have to be very accurate in terms of the geometry. So that's one of the key things that we need to establish. It's it's the geometry and the connection details, how we're connecting to the weighing beam and also, also how we're going to connect to, to, the, to the base lab. The hydraulic props can be used in shoring up any kind of construction, both big and small. But the projects that can gain the most benefit are sites where the props need to be moved around. It always comes down to, to, to money and then and, and time. And, and time was, of course, very beneficial. I think anything where the contractor has the possibility to move around a job site, move the equipment around a job site, then it, that's kind of screaming that a hydraulic system should be used. We can make a lot of saving for people on those types of applications. The development of new construction technology like Ground Force's hydraulic props is enabling cities to overcome previously unsurmountable tasks. For the first time in the city's 400-year history, Gothenburg is now able to build an underground metro line and erect the city's first and the region's tallest skyscraper. But the next challenge to overcome will be bigger and even more difficult. And so, great engineering efforts must be made. And for Ground Force's part, the team are working to develop bigger, stronger and more technologically capable props. There's constant development in terms of the equipment. We're looking at much bigger hydraulics and there's constant development in terms of the telemetry systems. Going forward, maybe we'd use a slightly try and design systems where we could alter pressures in props automatically to if we'd set them at a certain pressure. Also, optic systems we could use as well to show deflection of the props uh, in, in whichever way through our sensitive uh, our modular monitoring systems. But our biggest challenge will be, which we have now, we're working on is to make a thousand ton prop. Engineering Matters is a production of Rebe Media. This episode was written and produced by me, Johnny Dowling, and hosted by me and Rian Owen. Editing by Will North. Series supervision by John Young. Sound engineering by Ross McPherson. And our own immovable supporter is Rory Harris. Special thanks to our episode partner, Ground Force, and thank you for listening. You can find us on all podcast apps, on our website, engineeringmatters.reby.media, on Twitter, and on LinkedIn. <laughs>